Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn in them uh, to Mark chapter 9. We're going to be there this morning. But today we are beginning a brand new series called When Life Gives You. And so we're excited about this. Uh, This is going to be a series about how we can continue to grow in our faith during difficult seasons of life and in spite of those seasons of life. Uh, which seems like a pretty well-timed series for us, I think, right now. So um, most of us are familiar with the phrase, when life gives you lemons, make... Yes, the people here in person are doing good this morning. This is good. We make lemonade, and it's this idea that life often brings us situations and circumstances that by themselves really are not desirable at all, but that it's in those situations that we have a choice. And here's another cliche phrase right out of the gate for you this morning. We have a choice to whether we become bitter or better. And so you don't have to be a follower of Christ uh, to look at difficult situations and see them as an opportunity for growth and to find good in those situations. But as people who follow Jesus, less than desirable situations in our life usually put stress on our relationship with God. And while God may not cause those difficult situations to arise, they certainly present opportunities for us to learn what it really does mean to lean into God's love and grace and trust him in spite of those difficult situations in our life. And so I'm excited to get into this series with you. I know Pastor Jeff is excited uh, to get into it with us as well. He'll be back next week. Um, But this morning we are beginning with when life gives you doubt. And I'm excited about this one. This one's going to be fun for me and I hope uh, for you as well. Uh, But in a minute we'll talk a little bit more about why doubt, why we're talking about when life gives us doubt. But let's begin this morning by looking at Mark chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 14 through 27. And so if you're here this morning, I would like to invite you to go ahead and stand as we read from the scriptures today. This is Mark 9, starting in verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can... Said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
When Jesus saw a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. This is the word of God for the people of God. Our response is always, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So this passage is really fun. There's a lot going on in this passage, and we're going to get into it a little bit more uh, this morning in just a few minutes. But before we do that, several years ago, there was a football game that was played. We have to start with the important things this morning, right? Um, I know we have a good amount of sports fans here this morning. I'm sure we have many online as well. Uh, This analogy comes from a world where we had a few more sports happening than we have happening right now. Some of us are excited about uh, baseball potentially getting started in a few weeks, but uh, a lot of you know that I am a big football fan, and so I am excited and hopeful that we will get football back this fall. Um, A fall without football is not one that I like to imagine. But um, I know we have some New England Patriots fans in our church, and that is okay. I'm not sure if they're here this morning. Uh, We forgive you for that. Uh, But if you are an Atlanta Falcons fan, you're just going to want to put your hands over your, your ears for just the next couple minutes because this could be kind of a traumatic moment for you. Um, A couple of years ago, the Patriots and Falcons played in Super Bowl 51. And if you remember, sports fans, at one point in this game, the Patriots were down 28-3. to Of course, we know that they were able to come back in a miraculous fashion and win this football game, one of the most unbelieving comebacks in sports history. And after the game, one of the Patriots' defensive players was interviewed, and he was asked what allowed New England to make such an incredible comeback to win the game. And his answer was really interesting to me. He said, no one on this team doubted that we were going to win this game. Nobody doubted that we were going to win this game. And I thought about that, and it bothered me. Um, because maybe, maybe it's just the skeptic in me, but I couldn't help but wonder. Really, there are 53 players on an NFL roster, plus coaches and staff. You can't tell me no one on that team, when the score is 28-3, to 3, you are running out of time, No one had the slightest bit of doubt that they were not going to be able to overcome that disparity in the score. I understand projecting a strength and faith in your fellow teammates and confidence and all those things. But I thought, really, no one thought that there was no chance they were coming back. No one doubted at all. I I couldn't help but wonder if for that player that was the reality or if that was the answer he knew that he was supposed to give. But today, we're not talking about football as much as I love it, and I could talk about that for a long time. Um, We're talking about doubt, and we're talking about when life gives us doubt, because it's frowned upon as it is for athletes to admit doubt. Unfortunately, I think sometimes it's even more frowned upon for us as Christians to admit our doubts and our questions. And right now, we are living in a world that is full of doubts and questions and uncertainty. And it's really hard to know what will change in the coming months or even the next couple of weeks, I think, right now. And so with all of that unpredictability comes questions about plans that we've made, about our our job security and our finances and how our God will provide for us in the midst of all of those things. And so as we begin this new series... And we talk about some of the things that life does bring our way. 
I thought it was good for us to talk about doubt because I think for many of us, faith is something that we rely on. Faith is something that we go to for strength and for peace in these difficult times. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that many of us haven't had questions for God. As much as we lean on him and know that he's with us, it doesn't mean that we haven't wondered what he's up to in all that is happening in our world. Why does God allow suffering, sickness, injustice to happen in our world? Many of us have had these questions. And if we haven't had these questions recently, we've had questions at other times in our life. And so first I wanted to start here this morning because these past several months have given us lots of reasons to doubt and to wonder. And I think if we're being honest I don't know that we in the Christian community always feel free to express those doubts and those questions because I think much of our faith is so rooted in what we believe that when we doubt what we believe, we worry about the health of our faith and maybe what other Christians will think of us if we have those doubts. The second reason I want to talk about this morning uh, was that this is a conversation that is a big part of my story. Because when I was in high school, I had some big questions. I, I would even say I had some doubts. And I had a hard time believing in some of the more miraculous and mysterious parts of our faith. The resurrection, uh, the virgin birth, uh, miracles, uh, how faith and science can go together. And sometimes it's hard to know where we can ask those questions. I was blessed to be a part of a church and a youth group who had amazing youth workers, and I had great parents who understood the value of giving space for those questions to exist and letting God work in the midst of those doubts. But I'm not sure we always have those places. I'm not sure that we always feel safe to wrestle with our questions. I was reading a book a while back that talked about the idea that Christianity is an invitation to really trust God and not simply believe in him. And in it, the author states that we have an obsession with certainty as Christians. And that we celebrate certainty at the cost of growth, and in doing so, we don't leave any room for our questions and our doubts along the way. He says, faith and correct thinking have been seen as two sides of the same coin. Faith and correct thinking. Those two things probably shouldn't be synonymous. And so, unfortunately, I think our natural response as Christians is to suppress our questions. We don't talk about them because talking about them would require admitting that we have them. And admitting our doubts would mean acknowledging that we don't have it all figured out. But we are all human, right? And so difficult seasons are bound to come to us. And so we're going to have questions in that process. And so what are we supposed to do when we no longer have all of the answers and we're left wondering because if our faith is in our certainty, how can we go to God if our faith is shaken? How could we ever be transparent with one another as Christians if our spiritual health is measured solely on never doubting what we believe? And so that's a long setup to this, but I'm excited about what our passage has to say to us this morning because I think it reveals a better way for us to deal with our doubts. And it reminds us that when life gives us lemons in this way, when life brings us doubt, how God comes alongside of us and continues to work and to redeem in spite of our questions and our doubts along the way. 
I told you uh, this passage that we read this morning is really intense. There is a lot going on in this passage. And in it, Jesus is approached by a desperate parent and a dad who is filled with anxiety over what his son is going through and has really gone through most of his life. And first the father goes to the disciples because he believes that they could heal his son, but they try and they can't. And so this father's hope for his son and what he probably believes is possible for him is dwindling at this point. And so what's probably kind of a final moment of desperation, he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And so Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if? Everything is possible to him that believes. And I love this man's response to Jesus and the courage that it would have taken to give it. It's One that I believe that can be so helpful for us this morning as well. Because this man has to be thinking, Jesus, what you don't understand is that my son has had this trouble his entire life. It's all that I've ever known for him. And I I was excited because I heard that you and your disciples could help, but your disciples couldn't. And so now I can't help but doubt what is possible for my son. The years of frustration and doubt and not knowing if anything else is possible for my son have only been reinforced in this moment. And now I doubt what you can do. But in verse 24, this man responds with some of the most honest words in Scripture. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus, I do believe, but you are going to have to help me with my unbelief. And so it's remarkable to me that this man in our passage does something that we so often struggle to do. He openly confesses his doubts to Jesus. Now, throughout the scriptures, we know that we are called and challenged to believe. This is very apparent. And in our passage today, Jesus clearly wants the people to believe. He says, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? These are some pretty harsh words from Jesus. He even reminds the man that anything is possible to him who believes. And so it certainly sounds like the goal is to believe. We know this. No one goes looking for more doubts. But what do we do when our doubt comes looking for us? And when we, like the man in our story, find ourselves in a place where it is so very difficult to believe, what do we do then? This morning, I'm convinced that this passage is full of hope for us because when the man from the crowd has his moment of vulnerability and he confesses that as much as he wants to believe, he's going to need help overcoming his unbelief. When he says that to Jesus, Jesus does not respond by telling him to go home and when he has it all figured out, come back. He doesn't say, when your faith is unshakable, come back. Jesus meets this man In this moment, and he heals his son. And so it's here that we discover and we are reminded that we serve a God who, yes, invites us to believe, but who also is willing to walk beside us and help us as we wrestle with our unbelief, with our doubts, and our questions. And so the good news this morning is that we can join in the prayer of this man. We can pray, Lord, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. We know this isn't the only place in Scripture uh, where we find someone wrestling with doubt. We know the stories of Thomas and Peter, and their doubts are more than well documented. Poor Thomas will always be known 
as doubting Thomas. But Jesus walked with these men through their doubts, and their doubts didn't keep them from being a part of the kingdom, and it didn't keep them from being an essential part of that early church. The Psalms are full of doubts, and I actually want to read a couple of them for us this morning. Psalm 88 says, Lord, listen carefully to these, they're really fun. Psalm 88, Lord, turn your ear to my outcry because my whole being is filled with distress. My life is at the very brink of hell. I am considered as one of those plummeting into the pit. I am like those who are beyond help, drifting among the dead, lying in a grave like dead bodies, those you don't remember anymore. Why do you reject my very being, Lord? Why do you hide your face from me? You've made my loved ones and companions distant. My only friend is darkness. Some light reading for us this morning. Very next chapter, Psalm 89, concludes like this. It says, How long will it last, Lord? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my life is. Have you created humans for no good reason? Who lives their life without seeing death? Who was ever rescued from the grip of the grave? Where now are your loving acts from long ago, my Lord? I know that those are the words that you came to hear this morning, the encouragement that you needed this week. But I wanted to share them with you this morning because one of my favorite things about the Bible is how honest it is. I'm thankful that it records Psalm 88 and Psalm 89 and questions like, God, where are you when I need you most? Are you really who you say you are? God, why does it feel like you are not keeping your promises? And God allows all of this to be in Scripture for us. He doesn't edit out our questions because God can deal with our doubts. And so as much as we are called to believe throughout the pages of Scripture, the thing that we are called to believe in and have faith in is not a set of beliefs or ideas. Last week we talked briefly about the Pharisees, and they were pretty good at keeping a set of beliefs. But as Christians, we are called to believe in more than a set of beliefs. We are called to believe in a person. We're called to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. And so the danger for us is that we can place so much emphasis on what we know and a certainty in a set of beliefs that we fail to focus on who we know. Because we can believe all of the right things and never really come to a place where we know and trust in Jesus and trust in him with our life. And in the same way, you can have a head that is full of questions and the doubts that come along with that and say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you anyway. And so I want to challenge us this morning and encourage us as well. I want to challenge us first to be a church that is willing to wrestle with doubt, to accept people who have questions about the Christian faith, about who God is and about why we live the way that we do. I was looking at some statistics this week from David Kinneman that say one of the biggest turnoffs to church is the church's perceived unwillingness to hear hard questions and wrestle with doubt. The study found that 36% of people don't feel they can express doubts in church and ask hard questions. 23% have significant intellectual doubts about faith. 18% say they've had a crisis in life that's made them doubt their faith. 
Now, this is a study that was done to target younger people. It focused on millennials. And so it's a good reminder uh, that Jesus had no problem hanging out with young people. He spent the majority of his time with 12 of them, and one of them acquired the name Doubting Thomas along the way. And so we have to remember that God is more than happy to listen to the questions of our young people. And so we as a church have to do that same thing as well. This is essential in reaching the next generation for Christ. But that's not just true for young people. I think we know that the longer we live, the more life experiences we have and the more questions that we tend to acquire along the way. And so I want to challenge us to be a church, a group of Christ followers who embrace the questions of the people around us and introduce them to a Jesus who is willing to walk with us as we wrestle with our questions. But then I also want to encourage you to remember that our doubts and our questions don't have to be the thing that push us further from God. They can be the thing that draws us closer to him. Because doubt is not always the opposite of faith. A few years ago, our own pastor Jeff preached a sermon. And back then I had to listen on the podcast because I didn't get to listen with you all every week. And so uh, one week he said something that stuck with me and I wrote it down. He said the opposite of faith is not doubt, but the opposite of faith is fear. Sometimes I think because we fear not having all the right answers, we run from our questions and the questions that others have of Christianity. And so this morning I want to challenge you to take the doubts and the questions that you have and the questions that others have, and rather than running from them and avoiding them because we fear them, Embrace them. Let those questions be the thing that draw us closer to Jesus. And can I say to you, can I admit to you this morning that I don't have the same questions that I used to have, but I have different questions. I've acquired new ones. I question why things happen, why tragedies occur, why people experience loss. Maybe you have questions about God's plan for your life, or maybe you sympathize with the psalmist who says, God, where are you when I need you most? Sometimes our doubts are experiential. Something happens to us and it makes us question things that we thought that we knew. Maybe you've looked at all that's happening in our world right now and you've said, God, are you really in control of all this? And so if these are the questions that we have this morning in this room and online, those who are watching online as well, if they're the questions that we have, These are the same questions that the people who are curious about Jesus have as well. And sometimes being a church that's willing to wrestle with people's doubts and questions isn't always about having neat and simple answers for them. Sometimes it's simply about listening to them and letting them know that the questions that they have are the same questions that we have as well and that their questions matter to us. And then helping them pray, maybe alongside of us, the prayer that the man in our story prayed this morning. Lord, I believe, but you're going to have to help me with my unbelief. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning as we go ahead and close. The good news for us today is that we have a God who came to us who didn't wait for us to have all of the answers, but came in the midst of our chaos and brought hope to our question-filled world. 
And so as we continue to live in a little bit of chaos right now, my prayer for us this morning is that as life does bring us questions, as life brings us doubt, we would come to trust our Father with those questions. And that we would grow in our transparency with Him, but also in our transparency with one another. And that we would let our questions be the thing that draw us closer to Him. Knowing that our God is a God who can handle our questions and that He is inviting us to trust Him, especially in times when life does give us doubt. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning for being a God who came to us and who meets us where we are. I pray that you would help us to be people who are willing to wrestle with our questions, but then also be gracious in listening to the questions of others. God, I pray that you would remind us daily of where our hope comes from. We thank you for being a God who is faithful to walk with us in all of our different situations in life. And that as doubt comes to us, you're a God who invites us to lean in and to trust you. And so this morning we join the man from our story and we pray, Lord, it is in you that we believe. But you're going to have to help us with our unbelief. It's in your name I pray. Amen. As you go this morning, we thought it would be kind of fun uh, to send you out uh, with some lemonade. And so as we begin this new series, there is lemonade for you as you exit through the doors. If you're watching online this morning, you are quite literally going to have to make your own lemonade today. So we apologize for that. Uh, but if you're here, grab one of those on your way out. Uh, let me bless you as you go. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Go in his peace. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.